freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is bound to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you. A little yeast leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that he will take no other view than mine. And he who is troubling you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But if I, brethren, still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would mutilate themselves. For you were called to freedom. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. And here ends today's reading. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ron. Last time, or last week, we spent time with chapter four of Galatians, a text I confessed I find rather difficult. It is about the so-called child of the flesh, Ishmael, and the child of promise, Isaac. The church in Galatia was struggling with how Gentiles could come to be in full fellowship with other followers of Jesus, who were at first exclusively Jewish. They had questions and indeed fights within the body over circumcision and dietary requirements. At their core, these questions were about identity, what it means to be in community. In his letter, Paul admonishes the church to find its identity not in the notions of the world, but in Christ Jesus. He does so by using an allegory contrasting Abraham's child with Hagar and his child with Sarah. If you recall the story, God had promised Abraham a child with Sarah, but after more than a decade of waiting, Sarah told Abraham to impregnate Hagar. Hagar bore a son named Ishmael. Still, Sarah did not conceive for another decade when Isaac was born. When Isaac was weaned around age three, Sarah told Abraham that he had to send Hagar and Ishmael away. Abraham does so, sending his young teenage son and his mother out into the wilderness. In chapter 4, Paul writes, Now this is an allegory. These two women are two covenants. 
One woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the other woman corresponds to the Jerusalem above. She is free and she is our mother. Yet Paul writes this letter at a time when Jerusalem is most definitely not free. They are under the thumb of Roman rule, being taxed exorbitantly, many starving to death due to famine. Paul is writing then of a time and place when Jerusalem, and therefore Jewish people, will be free again in the new Jerusalem, the world God will order when Jesus returns. Paul is firm in his assertion that when God rules the nations, the people will know true freedom. Notice how Paul is using texts that the Jewish followers would have known from birth, foundational stories of Israel's identity, from the call of Abraham to enslavement in Egypt, to freedom in the wilderness, to a home in the land of promise. In Galatians 4, Paul is calling the people back to freedom from enslavement, a freedom grounded in knowing the God of Israel. This is the God who is calling them to integrate Gentiles into the fold. This is the God whose history is inextricably bound up with the people's. This is the God who has intervened to make freedom a reality, the God who offers freedom again should they choose it. It's interesting to me that in the year D lectionary, last week's lection ends with verse 1, and today's lection starts with the same verse. Then let us look now to the text. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. The context for these words is this. After Paul had preached and then left the region, other teachers came to the area and preached that the Galatians needed to follow the law as the first sign of obedience in their newfound faith in Christ. These teachers promoted following dietary laws and circumcision. Dr. Carla Works writes, Apparently, the teachers have claimed that the law is the vehicle of God's spirit. The law, according to Paul, however, has another function— to point out transgressions. If the law could have been created that guaranteed life, then God would have created that law. To submit to the yoke of slavery in chapter 5, verse 1, is to return to a system in which one places trust and obedience to the law. It is also a distortion of thinking about what the law can do. For Paul, the law is a guide in the darkness, a path toward justice in the present evil age. The holy, just, and good law, though, cannot defeat the power of sin. To trust in the law to do so is simply misguided. To submit to circumcision, then, is to submit to something that cannot do what these teachers have promised. Paul is clear, however, that <clears throat> physical circumcision is not really the point when he writes, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. In Christ Jesus, Paul says, true faith is faith that works through love. Or, put another way, 
We have been set free to evidence our faith as we work lovingly in and for the world. That's it. That's the whole story of the Christian life. But the people have forgotten the gospel as it was preached to them, choosing instead to follow the way of the world by setting up rules and hierarchies in groups and out groups. This ought not be. Rather, they should live such that neither uncircumcision nor diet nor any other human means of separation should find its way into the church. Paul's admonition continues. You were running well. The people, ooh, excuse me. You were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. I am confident about you in the Lord that you will not think otherwise. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I am still preaching circumcision? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. This is a strong wording. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. Yeah. Again, strong wording. When Paul left, the people were living as the church, working out their faith in love. Yet when these false teachers came, they persuaded the people to enter into bondage once again. Here, Paul's reproof is that a little bit of legalism can ruin the entire church. It is important to understand that legalism is not what we do, but how we understand what we do. It is absolutely okay, for example, to choose not to drink alcohol or not to have tattoos because you believe God's word says you should not. It is absolutely okay to choose to tithe or do nothing but rest on the Sabbath because you believe the word of God says you should. But it is absolutely not okay to believe that you are justified in faith because of those actions. It is absolutely not okay to believe that others must do those same things to be saved. Likewise, the leaven of circumcision and strict dietary laws was brewing in the church in Galatia. But Paul says he trusts that the people he, trusts the people he knows that once they have been reminded of the truth, they would also return to it in their actions. They should return to the freedom for which they have been set free. They should return to the vision of a heavenly Jerusalem come to earth. They should work to make this earth look as much like that place as possible while they wait for God to come again. They should make decisions about how to live based on what liberates people from bondage. I often wonder, if someone looks at my life, will they see liberty? Will they see in me a person who has been set free from the constraints of legalism? Because if they cannot see it in me, they will not see it for themselves. Our lives as Christians should be so beautiful that other people are liberated by being in our presence. They should know the boundless grace of God in their interactions with us. They should experience peace and rest when they are near us because that peace and rest have permeated our souls and therefore flow out from us. This is the freedom for which we have been set free. The text ends as such. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. Our text today begins and ends with a call to freedom. Freedom is the essence of the Christian life and the fundamental basis of all Christian living. The fear of those who seek to be justified by the law is that those who live in freedom will use that freedom to behave any which way. But Paul says that is precisely what does not happen 
For when we are justified by faith, we will serve one another lovingly and in so doing, change the world. So friends, as we journey through our week, let us gently examine pockets of legalism we find in our hearts and in the world. Let us pray for freedom and courage to confront our fear. Let us be people whose lives are so free that we serve God and others out of our deep abundance of grace. We could summarize Paul's message in Galatians 5 with Augustine's famous words, love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. It is for freedom you have been set free. Serve one another in love. Amen.